All right, here's the thing I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about doubt, okay? And it's, you know, because doubt is something that we've got to deal with. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And then I want to tell you something, that God wants to release people into uh, these encounters with Him that can really have a major impact on your life. And I've found out the way to get have encounters with the Lord. I found the secret. And I'll go ahead and tell you the secret. Just ask Him. <laughs> if you really ask the Lord for that and really desire it with your heart, God will bring you into some pretty tremendous spiritual encounters. So we believe both in the, uh, in the Word and in the Spirit. Amen? Got to have both. But here's a great uh, story. Matthew 14. It begins in verse 22. And... Of course, this is Peter walking on the water. I'm stalling right now trying to find, find it in my Bible. i got a new Bible. It's still, pages are still stuck together. Well, I told people a couple of weeks ago, if, if a year from now those pages are still stuck together, you know there's something bad wrong. You know, hadn't you noticed somebody ever got a new Bible, man, and they showed it to you at Christmas, and then six months later it was still new, and you were pulling the page. You were like, y'all ain't been reading that Bible. Need to read the Bible sometimes. Matthew 14, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And that's the Lord putting us into a situation. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. When, uh, this is important because I think a lot of times in our lives we feel like nobody's praying for us. Anybody ever had that feeling? You kind of feel alone. I don't know about you. I've had times where I just felt like, man, I just need somebody to pray for me. Well, I'll tell you, the Lord's praying for us. Amen? The Lord never leaves or forsakes us. And, and He was up there praying, and I think He's got us on His heart. I actually think He was up there praying about what was fixing to happen. Okay? Because something good was going to happen here. And I think he was up there just sort of getting some downloads on how to help these guys. Because uh, it says in verse 24, the boat was already a long distance from land. That means they, has, they were really uh, going after it. Battered. It was a long distance by land. Battered. Anybody felt battered lately? Raise your hands if you felt battered. There's been a battering going on, man. That's what the Lord was there praying about. Is he had them in a battering situation. And he was trying to really help them come into some revelation about being battered. Uh, you know, I was telling our guys the other day, you know, we've talked about this old shaking and all this stuff going so long. We need to take uh, what people told President Obama when he first came to office because he kept talking about how bad the economy is. And the more he talked about how bad it was, the worse it got. You know, and they finally said, you need to quit talking about how bad it is because everybody believes what the president says, right? I mean, if he says it's bad, well, it's bad. I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything. So uh, we, I said, we're going to quit talking about all this bad stuff. Start talking about, but it's sort of hard not to, you know, but we don't need to just ignore it. We need to humble ourselves and respect it. But God has allowed us to get into a difficult situation in our nation, and many, many of us are in difficult situations. Uh, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Let me tell you, I think you all know what the wind is here. It speaks of the spirit realm, the enemy. Uh, that's really what, it's, he's, what he really wants us to know, that uh, the enemy's contrary to us, and there's a contrary wind blowing right now against us, but God's using it. Amen? That's what we got to say. God's going to use this, and it's going to be good. And the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 and 6 a.m. How many people get woke up by, in those hours often? That's the Lord. Those are the best times to pray there is, between 3 and 6 a.m., if you can manage to pull yourself out of the 
out of the bed and do it, or just lay there in the bed. But if I always do the lay there thing, I go back to sleep. Okay? But I'm telling you, there is a special anointing. I don't know what it is. I mean, I know different people have have uh, have understand it, but there's a lot of angelic activity going on at that time in the earth uh, at between 3 and 6. And it's just a time where it seems like the heavens are much more opened and receptive. I know when we've done the 24-hour thing here, I always wanted to get those times between 3 and 6 because for some reason God would be in those times. And it was like if you went at 7, it's like, where's the Lord? I mean, he went home with the person who was before, but not really. But that's the way it felt. But So if God is waking you like that, I believe he's trying to get you to communicate to him. And that is a good time to have encounters with the Lord, by the way, is, is between those times. When Thank God he is not making me do that right now. Amen? I mean, he's letting me have encounters at different times. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. I want to just tell you one thing this morning. Uh, a lot of people are terrified of the Holy Spirit. They come to a church, and if it ain't like the, what they're used to, they, they don't like it. They think it's weird or something off, and I'm, that's really sort of the nature of man. God really wants us to really be able to uh, discern Him, okay? And, and discerning Him is not what we think. See, we got this mindset that God wants to break off on us that's really been put on us through our backgrounds and through the spirits that operate in the church world. Because uh, God just, you know, He says, My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are, are higher than your thoughts. And God just really doesn't act like us, honestly. And we really need to realize, for us to really discern the Lord, we have to go outside of our thinking. We really do. We have to be willing to see things different. And I think that's a key. That's called humility. Okay, when we begin to humble ourselves, we can really encounter the Lord in much greater ways. But they cried out in fear, and he said, immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, don't be afraid, it is I, or it is I, do not be afraid. So that's a good word for us right now. If you are being battered, to, to be strong. And don't, be, don't let fear rule your life. So Peter said to him, now this is where it gets interesting, okay? Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Well, we all know that really he didn't walk just on the water. He walked on the word that Jesus gave him. Amen? That's really what he walked on. Because there's been a lot of other people full of faith since that time who's tried to walk on the water and sunk like a rock. You know, you and I are not going to be able to walk on the water unless the Lord's out there in the middle of the water and He says, come, and there's no boat, okay, or there's no floaties. But I'll tell you something, if He told you to, you could. Amen? And so really what we've got to get in our hearts and minds is that God, that God has provided something for us to walk on in these times. He's provided us a way to get from where we're at to where He wants us to go. And it's called His Word. He wants to release us into the power of His Word that we can walk on His Word. And really, that's what we really need to learn how to walk on right now. So uh, Peter uh, got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, lots of times our natural senses, is, they're going to be so overwhelmed that the natural realm is going to overwhelm us. You know, it, you know the, the situation at hand, what we see, what we feel, what we hear, is very, can be very overwhelming to us. 
and and that's when we begin to sink uh, because because of the natural things that are that are coming against us. And see, that's where where the Lord really wants to help us. It says, and Jesus, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, now this is the key right here, you of little faith. Okay, he didn't say you of no faith. He said you of little faith. And we know that it doesn't take a lot of faith to do anything in the, in the spirit realm. In fact, Jesus said it was just a mustard. He says if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can speak to a mountain and it will be removed and thrown into the sea. That's how powerful just a little bit of faith is. So God was not denying them, denying the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't walking in faith, but he was telling them this. He said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Okay, and so that's the thing that really we've got to see is doubt is the thing that really comes against us and the thing that the enemy puts into our mind that keeps us from being able to do what God's told us to do. And trust, you know, trust Him. So, so the, the, the word that God wants to really speak to us this morning is about dealing with the doubt that's in our minds. Because everybody has these voices that speaks to them. And they're voices of doubt. They're voices of discouragement. They're voices that tells you stuff. Anybody hear voices? I mean, people, you, know, you know, here's a classic one. Why would God use me? You know? Or you can't do that. You know? Why are you here? Nothing's going to happen if you pray. Have you, has anybody got those words, those voices? Well, that's the voice of doubt. Now, what I, what I, the reason I'm sharing this is I'm, a couple of weeks ago, I'll re- remind you if you don't remember, uh, I shared about an experience where Becky and I went and prayed for this young lady who had Lyme's disease, okay? And the thing that really struck me when we got there was all the doubt that, that came against me when I went, in, went into the house, uh, it, it was a spiritually oppressive place for sure, okay? And, and I was, you know, the thoughts that were coming to my mind is there's nothing I can do here, you know? I mean, why am I here? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do any good. And when I saw the girl laying there in the bed, it just even was even stronger because the girl was in a dark room, uh, the blinds all pulled in the middle of the day, and she had sunglasses on because she was so sensitive and so sick and she was 18 years old. And, you know, these thoughts like, you know, I mean, I felt terrible, but these thoughts like, I, there's nothing I can do to help this girl. My prayers are not going to help her. I just did not have any, any belief in that I was going to be. Now, I had great belief that God could easily heal her. But I had no, it, my, the, the, the doubt in me was telling me that, that you know, God wasn't going to use me on any level. Okay? And I began to really, in my heart, you know, we went through the thing, prayed for really saw a spirit of infirmity get broke off of her, and the Lord spoke a word that she was going to recover. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit in a minute, you know, our wrong paradigm of healing. But, but the thing that, that really sort of struck me was to really uh, go in and find out really what does the Bible really say about uh, healing, for instance. You know, to go back and forget all that I have heard and, you know, the 90 books that I've read on healing and how, and just forget all that and go and read the Gospels and begin to discover how the Lord Himself healed people. And I was shocked to find out some of the things. I'll just go ahead and tell you this up front about the healing thing. I'm really not supposed to be talking to you about healing, but I really should talk to you about healing. Ninety percent of the people that Jesus healed in the Gospels, you can go and study this if you have a Bible program, it's real easy, is they were not instantly healed. 
90%. It's the word therapy in the Greek. Therapy, which we get our word doctor from that. Those people, God touched them, and it says he therapied. therapied, therapied how do you say that? How, when you say therapy, they, he therapied, therapied them. I can't talk. Okay, that's what he did. That's how they got healed. It wasn't an instant healing. So we have this mindset. This is one of the, I'm just telling you, this is how doubt gets into it. You, you know, somebody comes up to you and, and, and asks for prayer. And, you, and, and say they're, they're, they're real sick. Say they're blind even. I had a guy send me an email and said, you ever seen any blind people healed? And I'm thinking, please don't come to our church. Because <laughs> he's looking for somebody to pray for him so he can see. Okay? He's looking for somebody. I'm so far off this message, I don't really know what to do. Okay? Um, I met a lady 10 years ago who was born without eyeballs. Okay? I heard that she was born without eyeballs. I walked into the, her house, and she looked at me with these big brown eyes. Okay? Her mama, let me just tell you this story. Her mama, when when she was pregnant with this baby, had a dream. And she dreamed the baby was going to be born without eyeballs. It flipped her out, so she flipped, flipped you know, she flipped out on her husband. Uh, they went to the doctor. The doctor said, there's nothing we can, you know, there's nothing we can do. The baby seems fine. You seem fine. Blah, blah, blah. Everything's okay. Don't worry. That's what they told her. The baby was born. They were, everybody was all excited. They brought the baby into her, you know, give her, put her, give her a baby, and said, "This is a beautiful, healthy baby, except for she doesn't have any eyeballs." Okay, she was literally born without any eyeballs, and it sort of crushed the woman. But so she, she began to to really, uh, you know, she she wasn't going to accept it basically, and she got this prayer cloth from Amy Simple McPherson. This was back in the 30s. Got it from her. Told her all about, it, and she said, "Put that prayer cloth on that baby every day." Every day, whenever you bathe the baby, put the prayer cloth on her and leave it on her and pray and, and just believe that God's going to do it. And so she did that and, uh, you know, would pray for the baby. Nothing was happening. Uh, there was a big evangelist that came into town, and they took the baby. There was a man in line. You know, they had a prayer line, and they went up, and there was a man that had this huge gorder on his neck. The guy prayed for him. That gorder instantly disappeared off his neck. They just knew that baby was going to get her eyeballs at that moment, pray for the baby, and nothing happened. They went home disappointed and discouraged. But she remembered the Lord gave her the dream. And so she said, if God gave me the dream, there's got to be something in this. So she kept praying for the, for the baby. She didn't quit praying for her. And one day when the baby was seven weeks old, okay, seven weeks old, she was getting ready to bathe the baby like she did, you know, like mamas do with babies. And she felt the presence of the Lord come into the house and she was holding the baby and she felt the arms of the Lord go around her and the baby. It was, it was powerful. She, and, and she was just enjoying the Lord. She was enjoying this manifest presence of God that came into her, to her house. And she laid the baby down to bathe her and the baby opened her eyes for the first time because she didn't have eyeballs before and those little brown eyes were staring back at her. Okay? And I met this lady. I looked into her eyes, and she said, I've got doctor. I could give you the reports from the doctors. That's a miracle. But it didn't happen instantly. 
And so, I'll just tell you this. this is, I know God was trying to talk to me, okay? So last week, I did the children back there. And I asked the Lord that morning, what am I supposed to tell the kids? And the Lord reminded me of that woman. So I was reading her testimony, and she said, I was born on May the 10th, 1936. And that was May the 10th was last week. It was her birthday. So I knew, when I read, I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble with the Lord. He wasn't really telling me about this for the kids. He was trying to talk to me about it. He was trying to tell me something. He was, what he was trying to tell me, he was trying to tell me all this doubt that's been put into my mind and all this wrong truth and theology that I've got about, that I've picked up, that I don't even know I have, that he wants it out of my mind. Okay? And I, yeah, let me just read this dream that Bob Jones had. Okay, he had this dream a bit back. He said in the dream he saw a thief who was stealing tools from the church. And the tools were a hacksaw, a handsaw, and the cross. A hacksaw, a hand... Now remember, God speaks to us on levels, you know. He said he saw the two saw images of the enemies coming and hacking. Like I'm saying, if it was Scott Forsyth, he'd be thinking about computer hackers. But for Bob, it was saws. The enemy was hacking into the church's mindset, okay, causing doubt to subvert what God wants to do. Doubt. It wasn't faith. It was doubt that the enemy has, has hacked into our minds. And I, I, I remember this when I was thinking about over at that house. Why did all this doubt come to me? Why did I get in there knowing that the Lord sent me over to pray with this girl and then this doubt that nothing's going to happen, she's going to just stay sick and... And it was because the enemy had, I realized there was this doubt that had been hacked in my, my mind. Bob said that in Africa that they had seen the power of the satanic and see that the power of Christ is greater. This is Africans. So, if they see in the scripture that something is lawful to do, they just do it. That's what they do in Africa. If they see it's lawful to do, well, we're just going to do it. The pro, this is what he said. The problem here in the United States is not a lack of faith. It is doubt that is being hacked into us, being wired into us. It's that there's this doubt in us. And the doubt is not in the power of God and God able to do what God does. The doubt is in us that is God going to use me to do it. Can God use me? Who am I? You know, this can't be God. All the things that you go through with these voices that causes you to, to back up and to, you know, to stop. He said also the cross, is, the cross is also being hacked into. Doubt in the finished work of the cross is being sown into our minds. If the work of the, he said if the work of the, this is a powerful statement. If the work of the cross is not finished, there's nothing in this world that is finished. And I believe one thing the Lord really wants to do is release a greater revelation of the cross to the church. The power of the cross. And that was what uh, Sally alluded to earlier as I was reading about Christ hanging on the cross Christ, and I want to say this, Christ literally hung on the cross naked for three hours. For three hours of his life, people walked by him, looked at him naked as the day he was born, and made fun of him and mocked him. Okay? Now, that's, that, that would be a, a humiliating and embarrassing I mean, the, the thing for any of us, right? But he did that to deal with the shame that we carry on us. Because he took the ultimate shame on him. All the shame, all the humiliation of being put in a situation like that. And so we have so many Christians walking around with this shame on them. Ruled by shame, 
when we can really say, I don't have to be ruled by shame. If Jesus went through that for me, if he was hung there, exposed for me, I can embrace that and believe that and allow that to break that shame spirit off of me. And I believe that's one of the things, just one of the things that God wants to do is he wants to break the shame spirit off of people. And when we think about it in terms of how, how, how much shame was placed on him that day, just from that one thing, and there's so much more that happened at the cross that God wants to bring back into the church the reality of it and the power of it. Because it's a power. That's what Paul said. It's a power to set us free. And I think we have gotten sort of inoculated to it. We've got just a, a, enough of the preaching of the cross, just enough of it, where we don't really embrace the power of it like we could. We're, we need to access into the cross. It's really what we need to do. I mean, I feel like I do. Maybe you don't. Okay, but I feel like I need to access into the power of the cross like I never have before. Because I believe in the cross is healing. In the cross is relief from shame. In the cross is all these things that God has for us. And I believe, it, I believe things have been hacked into us. Doubt and unbelief about some things towards the cross. And I believe God wants to change that. Well, I'm excited about it. Yeah. All right, then he saw, he saw, Bob saw the Word as a hammer to use as a weapon against the powers of the second heaven. He emphasized that the battle is in the second heaven. Y'all know this, not the third heaven. Thank God. And uh, we need to get the, the hack wires out of our heads. Finally, he said the paradigm shift is coming to the church. Healing always comes with a paradigm shift. Paradigm shift is a shift in the way we think. And he said healing, if you study history, if you, if you study history, you study revival, whenever God makes a shift in the church, healing's a big shift that happens with it. God really wants to, re to release that. So here's what he told me last time he was here. He said, this church, now listen, this church has a remarkable gift of heal, or healing anointing on it. More than most churches. Okay? More than most churches. Now what's the, your immediate thought when you think that? You think, no way. Or what the heck is wrong with the church? You know? If we have something more than most churches in terms of healing... I mean, we, I mean, we're thinking, we're a one. They must be a .75, a three-quarter. Are we that on a scale to ten? So this doubt, have y'all listened to the testimony on, of Tonda's testimony? Now, what comes to your mind? See, we can hear a testimony of a person who's been healed like she was and still doubt it. There's this thing in us that says that can't be right, that can't be true. Tell the truth. I think we need to get truth on ourselves. Those thoughts come to us. Okay? And we need to begin to deal with those thoughts because those thoughts really are subversive thoughts. Let me just show you that one out of the, out of the Bible where I, I saw that same thing. It's in Matthew fourteen thirty one. Are y'all good? Matthew fourteen thirty one. Now here's Jesus Christ. Not Matthew 14. Matthew 28, 16 through 17. I don't know what I said that for. Okay? Uh, here's the Lord. He's already been raised from the dead. They've already seen him. They've already talked to him. They ate with him. They touched him. Here's what it says. It says, uh, The eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Okay, but some doubted. Think about that for a minute. They saw this resurrected man and they still had this doubt in them. Still. 
And see, we've got to come to some reality about the doubt that's in us. Now, doubt means this. This is the literal translation. It means in, to stand in two ways. There's a, there's a sense of uncertainty about it. That you get into a situation, like I got in that situation and I had this uncertainty all over me. Because I did not believe that God could use me to help that girl. That was doubt saying that to me. And I had to get to the place where I had to face that doubt. Now, this is what the Lord did say. He says, you know, we prayed for her and we felt that spirit of infirmity get, because she had infirmity all over. She didn't have Lyme's disease. She, she, she put a Band-Aid on her arm. She had a rash developed from a Band-Aid. That's how sick she was. You know, her immune system had just fallen to the ground where they didn't even want you to wear shoes in a room because of the pollens. That's how bad. I mean, this girl was way down there. And so we pray, we broke that. We, we, everybody, her mama, her mama felt that thing leave the room. And then we, the Lord gave me a, a scripture: "You will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." Which at that moment I thought she's going. I told her mom that, and her mama said, "I agree. I believe that." I, I mean, she wasn't just saying. But here's the truth about they will recover. Recover doesn't mean that they instantly recover. It means that. It's just like this. If you went to the doctor and you had an ear infection, and the doctor gave you a, a, a prescription to, for antibiotics, and you got the prescription filled and you took one of those antibiotics that day, you would not, the next morning, more than likely, you would not feel better. Okay? But you would believe, right? You would believe, I'm going to feel better. In fact, the doctor may tell you, in two days you'll feel better. Okay? In two days, your, your ear will stop hurting. Or three days. They know about how long it takes those things to start working. And so you believe what they say. You take the bills religiously, and in three days, everything's fine. You don't even doubt it. You just do it. Right? And so what we begin to got to, we've got to get this paradigm shift where we begin to see God can use us and quit looking at what religion tells us. Just because a person doesn't jump out of the bed right that minute, we walk away feeling like failures. And it's keeping a lot of people from praying. Did I tell you the 90% thing? I told you all that, right? It's keeping a lot of people from believing that God can use us to do simple things like heal the sick. Because we believe something that's not true. We believe a lie. We believe a theology that's been placed out there. Now, you also notice... And studying the way Jesus healed people, is he lots of many times when he didn't do the, the miracle thing where the miracle was instant, many times he would have the person to do something like go wash in the pool of Siloam and they came back seeing. And you've seen that happen. Like, have you ever wondered about where they got that from? I used to wonder, like, where's get this thing at? You know, your arms, you can't raise your arm like that. And they said, raise your arm, see what can happen. Okay? It really is what, how Jesus did it. Jesus had a method. For praying for people. He literally, if you study and just study it, he had a method that he used. That's why the disciples, when he sent them out, they could go heal the sick. They watched him do it. He taught them a method. And see, we got so spiritually minded, we don't even think there's a method. But he had a method when he prayed for people. Y'all don't believe that, do you? But he did. He'd go study. I dare you to study the gospel and find out that the Lord himself had a method. Why, gosh. He wasn't like a sheet of paper just getting blown here and there. He had a method of what he was doing. And God really wants us to begin to find out the truth of the Word. And find out truth. And so we can begin to do what he did because he commissioned us to do it. But we have doubt that rules us. 
Are you all okay? So, I mean, I'm into this stuff, man. I tell you what, you'll get into it when you get into situations that you feel like if God don't do something, this is going to be bad. You know? And then you begin to cry out to God, and He begins to talk to you and starts telling you the truth about things. Instead of just reading a book and trying to copy what somebody else has done, and, you know, and it finds out they didn't even believe in healing, you know? All right, let me just read this one last scripture, okay? Because I'm getting here. I've got to get done. But how many people like to have more encounters with the Lord? Raise your hand. Well, the rest of you who didn't, I'm sorry, but we should all have encounters with the Lord, okay? Jeremiah 23:29. Here it is. Is not my word like fire? Okay? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters the rock. So what God wants to do is knock down those strongholds. That's the hammer part of the word, where he wants to knock these strongholds down in our lives, in our minds. The stronghold of doubt, the stronghold of fear, this lousy, low self-esteem, this mealy mouth talk that you get out of Christians. That when I was a young Christian, that was the way you were humble. Is you had this mealy mouth, oh, it's just God, it's just this. You know, all that stuff that's really not even biblical. You know, it ain't all just God, it's you and God. That's what He wants us to get. God's looking for people to do stuff with. It ain't just all all God. You know, people got healed in the Bible because a person cooperated, and that person was Jesus as a man, not as God. And y'all know that. But that's the way we got to start thinking about ourselves. Okay? All right, so here's the fire story. Y'all want to hear the, my fire story? Y'all want so this because God wants to bring some fire into people. Okay, now this is what happened to me recently. This is my. You want to encounter with the Lord? I don't. Here's the way you get encounters: you ask the Lord for them. So I had all these questions. Anybody got any questions that you want to know some answers on? Well, I had all these. I got questions, so I was asking the Lord all this stuff, and He wasn't talking to me. So I was sort of getting aggravated with the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm asking you all this stuff, and you're not telling me nothing. i got all these problems and situations, and you're not even talking to me about them. How am I going to fix them if you don't tell me? And this is what he said. This is what he impressed. Okay, it was an impression. Keep asking questions, and when you get to the right question, I'll answer it. Okay? As far as I was concerned, that was a good answer. I mean, okay, I'm going to ask some questions then. So I asked and asked, and finally I came up with this one question. I started, started thinking about all the things the Lord had done in my life over the past few years. Just really, just, it was just a gratitude moment. Like, Lord, thank you so much. You did this, you did that, you did But what now, Lord? That was my question. What now? What now? And nothing happened. It was just silent. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to sit here and just soak in the presence of the Lord. I'm just going to be still and be quiet before the Lord. I wasn't really expecting an answer, honestly. Because I'd already asked him the 943 other questions he didn't answer. I didn't think he had any interest in that one. So I just thought, I'm just going to soak and receive anything God wants to do and, and move on with my day. So I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, this groaning began to happen in me. And I'm going to tell you, this is not the normal, normal Byron Wicker groaning. This was, this was groaning like I had never... It sort of scared me at first. It was so intense. It was intense groaning. I mean, I mean it came down further, than, further down inside of me than I knew was even down there. I mean, it was way down there. And I was groaning and 
I was just groaning away. I mean, it was incredible groanings. It's right from the Bible, by the way, Romans 8. I was just groaning, you know, because it says the Spirit helps our infirmities with groanings. And I was just, I was groaning, and I was running, man. I was running like a maniac. And I was doing all kinds. Of, in fact, this, I, at one point I thought, thank God this is not happening at church. Because everybody would be around me, oh, please help him, Lord. Please, please help this man. Or call the doctor, he's dying, something's bad. That's how intense it was. I was just a, it was a glad day. It was by myself at home. No, Becky wasn't there. And I was groaning, and, and then all of a sudden, I, what I shared with you about the river, I, and it, it never happened to me before. The ri- I saw the Holy Spirit River flood my mind. I, it just filled it up. I've never, it's never been like that. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you so much that you're washing my filthy old mind and fixing my mind and washing away all the doubt and unbelief and trash that's lodged itself into my mind. Thank you. So-. And I was just so happy at that moment. And then all of a sudden, it went completely dark. I mean, we're talking dark, dark. And I got scared. I'll be honest with you. I, was, I knew I had gotten out of that room I'd been stuck in in the spirit realm, and I had went somewhere, and it scared me because I realized, oh, no. This is not, I don't, I'm not really, know if I'm ready to be here. And then I saw this flame. And the flame was like this. It was an independent, what I call an independent flame. It had no source of fuel. It was just a fire. And it was, that's all it was. It was darkness, and there was this fire. Okay? And the fire was right there in front of me. And I was right there like, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't, I thought forbid, I mean, I'm in trouble with the Lord. I snuck out of that room, you know, I told you about that room I got in. They told me, you stay right here, don't leave. I went in this room a while back, and this, these two angels, I guess they were angels, said, you can't go anywhere, stay here. I knew I'd gotten out of that room and went somewhere else. But where I went, there was this fire. And the fire, I just read what the fire, the fire Actually, if you study the scripture, the seraphims that are around the throne, they're literally fire. That's what they are. They're, they're not, they're angels. They're just fire. That's what they literally, if you study, they're, they're fire. And the Bible says uh, that the Lord answers by fire. You get the hint? I was asking, wait, he says he answers by fire. The God who answers by fire. See, God is going to answer us by fire. And that, and then, and then, the, then the whole thing began to dissipate. It just started, started going away, okay? And then the Lord spoke to me a, a verse in the Bible, and the verse was uh, Jeremiah 49, 14. And the ver- Jeremiah 49, 14 says, I heard a message from the Lord. I heard a message, and I was thinking, but I didn't hear nothing. I didn't hear a message, Lord. Why, why did you give me a scripture that says I heard a message from when I didn't hear a message? You know how the Lord is, right? He does some really weird stuff. He shows you something, you have this experience, and then you, He gives you a scripture that doesn't seem to add up with the experience. And I was thinking, I don't really understand this. So I called a friend of mine who has better understanding. He said, Byron, here's what you've got to do. Cause don't say you didn't hear anything. Thank God for the message He's given you. Because God did something in you. He put something in you, and it'll come out when it's supposed to. Just because you don't think you heard it, you had to receive it. And Jeremiah also said that God put a fire in his bones. Okay? God really wants to put a fire in the church. And he said right there, are y'all, are y'all with me on this? 
it says, Is not my word like fire? Is not my word like fire? See, there's this thing coming where God really wants to release this fire into us. Okay? His word will be like fire. It's real. Okay? This is real, what I'm telling you. This is not some illusionary, delusionary, fantasizing person. God really wants to bring us in and have that experience with what's happening in His world. And He really wants to bring us in contact with the fire from heaven. And He really wants it to become a part of us. I guess, I mean, I'm sort of way out there beyond my understanding right now, you know, because I don't really understand more than that. But I'm going to tell you this, okay? That experience I had with the Lord was real, okay? That experience that we had when we went to that that lady's house and that girl was laying there with that Lyme disease, that experience was real, okay? God has a real, real uh, desire to do something with people like that. He, he has a real desire for us to go in those situations and when those thoughts of doubts come to us, to deal with them right there on the spot and not let them get us, okay? That's really what God wants us to do and be able to release something out of us, okay, that's beyond us, something out of in here, down in here, way down in here that's, that's got power. And See, all this other stuff ain't going to work anyway. Are you all Okay. So, anyways, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> one thing about when Peter, um, one in the, the way the Amplified says that about when he got stuck in that, you know, the waves were coming, that he perceived the wind and the waves. He was perceiving that natural realm around him. And I feel like that the Lord actually was speaking to me about that this week, that that really is how, just like we can perceive in the spirit realm things, that we also have this natural perception that's going on around us. And and if you understand that when you're in these situations where you could doubt, you just simply say to yourself, you know what, I'm just simply perceiving the natural realm. That's what I'm doing right now. What I need to do is perceive the Word of God where Jesus said come and perceive that spiritual realm and I feel like it will really help us where we have this tendency to go with the natural rather than the spirit. So to understand that we have a real natural realm that we're perceiving, just like there's a spiritual realm. So, so here's the, what the key is. This is what you want to get. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And the Lord said, come. Okay? Now, I want us to get this. When the Lord bids us to come, there is going to be resistance. There's going to be circumstances, there's going to be people, all of that's going to be there. There's going to be the doubt that's going to come into your mind. That's what we have to overcome. Okay? We've got to overcome those things if we're going to come to where He's at, into His realm. Okay? And obey His Word and be able to, you know, when He says, come over here and pray for this person, those things are there. Or when He's just calling you into the spirit realm, those things are going to be there. And, and really what Bob Jones was really saying is we've got to get the the stuff that the enemy has hacked into our minds, out. We've got to renounce it. We've got to say, Lord, forgive us for believing that stuff. And we really need to repent. That's what, you know, happened in the first service. There's a guy who stood up and started repenting. And this guy had been through some bad stuff recently, real bad stuff, and, and was getting torn down by it. And he began to repent for believing it. And we need to repent and renounce that we've believed what the naturals told us and not what the Lord Himself has said. Now, the Lord's gracious. I know that. But 
Amen. So, Lord, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to cleanse our minds. Lord, from any doubt that has crept in from the natural, Lord, from the material, from the material world, God. Lord, even some good ideas. Lord, we just ask you, God, to remove all things. Lord, conform our minds to, to be like that of Christ, Lord. Who could see what you were doing, Father, and act accordingly and just get in on that, God. We just ask you, God, to break every cord, every chain of doubt, any chain of unbelief right now in the name of Jesus. We renounce its hold. We repent of, it, of entertaining that, Lord. And we just ask for the breath of God to blow through our minds, through our hearts. Lord, even as you came and appeared to the disciples in John 20, after, on the day of your resurrection, who were in fear, huddled in a room with the doors locked, you came and you said, Shalom, peace, don't be afraid. And then you breathed on them, Lord, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Just breathe, breath of God, through this room now. Breathe, breathe. Just let the Holy Spirit just blow through you for a minute. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More. We just receive more.